Welcome to Brand Meet Creator Podcast with me, Harley Jordan, and Sonia Elise. A place where we pull back the curtain and the trashy filters on the influencer marketing industry. So pull up a chair and grab a notebook. It's time to shed some light on the ever-changing Instaverse. Part two, part two, part two. If you didn't listen to our part one on new FTC guidelines and ad disclosure, go back. Just go back to the last episode because we're we're not giving you any context. We're diving into TikTok shops, some new features, what brands are going to be prioritizing heading into holidays. Yes, I said holidays. I know it's August. That is what they are doing. And we're going to be talking about commission. We're going to be talking about affiliates and how you can use some of those metrics to book holiday gigs. Absolutely. So I uh, messaged Harley the other day, letting her know that I think that something really interesting is happening with TikTok shops. And you know me, I'm the TikTok stan of this duo. Didn't they they discontinue TikTok shop or live shopping? Live shopping? No, they didn't discontinue it. It's very much alive and well on the platform. Um, But wasn't there something that they 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 put on This was in the UK. So they tested live shopping in the UK and they didn't care for it and they took it off. And now they've launched TikTok shops and you can integrate product into your lives. So yes. So right now, the baseline that we know is you have to have at least 1,000 followers to get the invite. Some people who don't yet have or who have over 1,000 still are not getting the invite and they're having a hard time getting on. I connected my lip service members with a company that's helping onboard creators on behalf of TikTok, which I think is great, at no fee to the creators I made sure. But I got an invite on. I have 2,700 followers, so not significant, but over the 1,000 benchmark. I got on and I accepted because I wanted to see what the hype was about. And I thought something really interesting happens when you accept it. So they have an authorization, of course, that you have to allow when you create the content that is hooked to shops. So pretty much what happens is you get on, you hit authorized and all of the items. And if you don't read the fine print, that's on you. But it says, you grant TikTok, TikTok shop merchants, as well as... New York, Carl. If you didn't read it, that's on you. I mean... Rude. (laughs) That's not rude. That's life. Because I can't wait for the first person to be like, they're using it for an ad. That's not fair. I'm like, well, did you read the fine print? Because you agreed. So it is fair. Oh my God, continue. The only person responsible for you is you, my friend. So anyway, it (laughs) says that creators essentially grant TikTok, TikTok shop merchants, which would be the business that are selling on TikTok shops, and their creative agency partners, TikTok's creative agency partners, non-exclusive, unconditional, unconditional, fully sub-licensed and transferable, fully paid and royalty-free, perpetual right to license the use, copy, modify, adapt, reproduce, publish, distribute, publicly display, publicly perform, share, and create derivative of the works that include any of your content. Gag. I know. In addition, 
There is no obligation to use your content in any advertisement, and you have the right to revoke this content license at any time by sending an email to their email. But once you hit OK, it's OK. So pretty much, in addition, when you create the content that links to a product and you, that you earn commission for through TikTok Shop, it automatically marks it as an ad, and you are not allowed to remove that marking. Mm. So for the FTC, you're in the clear. And the way this works, because many creators were saying, I don't even understand how, like I have access to it, but I don't understand how it works. So there is a tab where you can create your shop and you can search through there for any products that you use, products that you plan on recommending, anything else. You add it into your shop and it shows you right there how much commission you'll make if someone purchases it through TikTok. All the info is there. When you create the content that includes that product, you add it in, it automatically assigns it as an ad or partnership with that product. Um, and then you can post it. So if I'm watching your content where you've recommended that product and you've tagged it through shops, I can click it and immediately check out just like Instagram shops, right? I can click it and immediately do it. Which um, I think on IG shops, it does not mark products or in posts where you've tagged products that are eligible for commission, it doesn't force you to do it as an ad mm. or it does on TikTok. And I know you were saying that you think that primarily people are getting in trouble on TikTok for this. Right. There was there was like some big lawsuit because the ad disclosure wasn't on the video itself. So I guess my question about my resident TikTok expert, is there a paid partnership label on TikTok or do you have to just disclose it yourself? There is a paid partnership label. Okay. okay. That you can select, but you can also just disclose it yourself. But did it always have that? I don't think so. I think that was the issue was like it wasn't available or like it didn't exist yet. And that's why all of that was going down because, Mm. you know, creators weren't disclosing properly. They didn't have the feature to disclose through the app. Like there was just, you know, a little bit of chaos. So yeah, I think I have so many thoughts about this. I think that the fact that you have to write to the company via email after the fact, after they've already used it, if you find it, is trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you're agreeing to it in the beginning. I just think it's a, sure. a pretty extreme agreement because you're not getting paid more if they use it. You're getting right. paid the same amount of commission if they use it. And essentially, you're giving the rights to whatever you create through shops away completely mm-hmm. in right. exchange for a couple bucks, maybe. So, but a couple bucks. The flip of that coin is, and I made a video about this the other day, is that right now, like the most important thing is to be using the new features. And the new feature is shops and linking products to shop. So, if you are a micro creator and you're trying to gain traction, and this is really the journey that you're on, I think it's probably worth it to do Mm -hmm. it and make sure that you're creating content both with shops integrated and without shops integrated, right? Mm -hmm. Not every single post needs to integrate a shop's product. Right. Like as it shouldn't, because that's salesy, salesy, salesy all the time. Like that's, it's not what we're looking for. Not at all. 
But what I think is interesting is that it, um, like mid-tier creators or anyone really who has gotten an upfront paid partnership should not be using the shops feature, I don't think. Mm-hmm. If you're already making money through your channel, through publishing, I would not be using shops because you're giving away for a much smaller amount what you could be charging upfront. Interesting. I would continue to make the the product reviews or the recommendations right. or the Just looks. not using shops not using shops and then let the brand find you and create a deal through, yeah. you know, licensing that content or yeah. through future partnerships. I agree that that's the best path. I have run into similar issues with Instagram where with the with the shop feature on Instagram, the same thing happens where like they can request use of a certain mm-hmm. post that they're tagged in to be added basically to their little album of shop shops pictures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And the same thing happens. Now, are they going to use it for ads? Who knows? You know, like I literally don't know. Yeah. And so I think it's dumb for these platforms to give full perpetual usage rights. And I think there should be, again, like it comes back to, are you not aware of how creators make money? Because hi, hello, you're giving away our livelihood right there. And like, yes, you can send an email, but yeah, I don't know. I I do think that this, this speaks to the creator economy as it is reflected on TikTok as a whole. Mm -hmm. I don't think that TikTok created this system for creators specifically. They created this system for the everyday person who has a couple thousand followers, who likes making content. It is not a full-time content creator and is like, oh, I can make a few bucks by doing this. Um, Great, right? Like they're monetizing people who are just like your quote unquote average User, they they like it. Oh, absolutely! They're trying to draw businesses in because the more they do charge a fee for a business to, um, it's not a fee to set up the shop, but I do know that there is like a transaction fee on the business side of things. So it's like if Mm -hmm. you check out and it's through your shop, you know, just like Visa or Amex or whatever, there's a percentage that goes to TikTok. It's low, but it is there. In addition, you have to integrate their um, technology onto your e-commerce site, which is yeah. not a fee that goes to TikTok, but it's not not an investment, which is why a lot of bigger name brands I'm not seeing on there. The biggest retailer that I've seen on there for products that I was like searching for to like add to my shop to be like, okay, what do I actually use? And like, what would I put in here just to see how this system works is Revolve. Revolve is on there. Of course and they are. A lot of their, of course, course they, they are. are. You know my beef with Revolve. <laughs> they have beauty products. They have fashion. And then besides that, it's mainly smaller retailers that I'm seeing on there. I didn't see like, there's no Sephora. There's no Ulta mm-hmm. integrated at this point. You know, there's not like these massive Nordstrom retailers. Am I so a brat? Like I have so much less of an issue with the small businesses <laughs> having access to all of Mm -hmm. that stuff. I'm like, go ahead, small businesses. Like we are here to help each other out, to grow together. But the (laughs) second it's like revolve, I'm like, red flag, you're using creators. I hate it. 
I know. I do think it it has I have come across a lot of content of small shops, Etsy shops, different people that are single, you know, proprietors that have blown up through integrating their product onto TikTok shops. And Mm -hmm. I think that's great. That is amazing. You know, how else would you be able to get the word out so quickly? Um, But yeah, it is, it's both positive and negative, right? Like Revolve does give a lot of people the ick. I never shop there and I, they have a bad history with influencers, a, a continued history with influencers. That's poor. However, if you're someone who wants to link stuff, they have a lot of stuff that you probably already own. They have, they you know, have, like they have a lot of cute stuff. I will give yeah. them that. Like I, I, yeah, of course they do. Of course we want to shop at Revolve, but like the ethics behind it, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it with my wallet and not buy from them. Yeah. Makes sense. So the other thing that I think is interesting, I I heard this a while ago and please do not quote me because this is not an action. I'm going to say this again. This is not currently an action. So do not be scared about this. But Mm -hmm. I heard little birdies talking about how uh, Meta was going to make it so that if you tagged a photo with Mm -hmm. a brand anything in that tagged folder was now theirs. Perpetual usage rights to everything in that tagged folder. Interesting. And I think that is, once again, really scary and really backwards. And I think a lot of these rules like come at the the benefit of the business and the downfall of the creator. Because yeah. I will I will scream from the rooftops that you know, you need to be flirting with brands. You need to be following them. You need to be tagging them like your first and foremost favorites. Like they, it needs to be seen in your content. And if we can no longer tag because all of a sudden we're, all of our usage rights are being taken away. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have a problem with that. Like most of, but you're saying this is only, you're saying this is only if you tag the shopping tag, not if you just no. No. Black box tag. Oh, if you anything normal tag, yeah. I and again, not, not in action this. yet. No one's agreed to this yet. But like this was, this was a conversation. Like I wish I remembered where it came from. Um, Harley is just screaming fire in a. I know. I'm like very angry there. about this, and I, I don't know. know <laughs> she's she's up in arms over something that is a maybe happening. <laughs> I love it. But I do um, think it's so similar to mm-hmm. this TikTok shopping thing. And like let's be yeah. let's be so realistic here. Like we we have deals that are booked at I think it was 45k and I want to say that like 10k of it was content. The rest of it was usage and exclusivity. Like that is a lot of money. That is a lot of money that we're working with. That is a real client at All Influence Management that has made that big chunk of money from a brand just for those usage rights. And so you're saying that if they if they if did this, they would no longer rights, have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would no longer have the ability to negotiate that extra 30 grand. Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty crazy. But I don't think that the 
Again, I think it is only going to be something that is effective for people who don't have management, for people who don't have Mm. a big following, for people like all of these, you know, these like smaller micro creators or people who want to get into content creation and they are trying to like get a foothold because at the end of the day, both of these apps have to do something that benefits businesses because that's how they make money. They don't make money from creators. You don't make money off of creators. And while it's devastating to the creator economy to be doing something like but this. De- but that's not true. But that's not true because like there is a trickle down effect of, you know, if no creator was on your platform, if creators weren't spending their time and energy, it's an energetic exchange. We're, we are living on your platforms. No, I think that's a dream. You're living on the platforms because you have nowhere else to go. You're not going to build your own platform. If if both places are taking advantage of you, that sucks, right? I agree because it's your hard work. But at the end of the day, you'd have nowhere to put that hard work if they didn't create the app. And if they didn't bring the, the advertisers there, if they didn't like get so many eyeballs as users and they didn't do all of that, you wouldn't be monetizing anything. You'd have diddly squat. If there was no Instagram, if there was no TikTok, if they weren't spending all of their time bringing people from all over the world onto the app, you wouldn't have anything anyway. I mean, it's not fair. I'm not saying it is fair, but that's like rolling the dice on putting your dollars on an app that you don't have ownership for. That's something I preach all the time. I'm not saying it's fair or that it's right or that it feels good for creators. It sucks, but it's part of the business of these multi-billion dollar companies. They have to make money. (laughs) I think that, you know, you see platform great example twitter let's talk about freaking twitter not even twitter anymore x x Uh let's talk about x that doesn't value creators you have to pay to get on now they are basically like scavenging for businesses to pay for ads and creators are leaving by the second Mm -hmm. because of everything that's not on on there so if you didn't sure. have creators, if you didn't have if you didn't have creators, you wouldn't have normal people. If you didn't have create, if you didn't have normal people, there would be no one to market these businesses to. It's all connected. That's it is all connected, but at the, but at the same time, like it started with normal people who became creators. You didn't get onto the app as a creator. You didn't get onto no, no, Instagram no. as a creator. No, no, already. no. We are further. You were You're a normie. Along in the creator economy. Well, yes, correct. But it started. It's not chicken or the egg. There's not like there's no roll of the dice. It started with normies, and then somehow people came out of the muck and became creators. <laughs> it wasn't the. It, and then they started to monetize, and then Instagram was like, "Oh, I could have a shop. I'll start to monetize." I love how you made that like. Uh, <laughs> a visual of like we evolutionarily like evolved from <laughs> reptilians we did we literally evolutionary evolved from posting stuff that was ugly with a hudson filter to integrating I'm a shopping dead. integrating a shopping like, tag onto something and yes. making commission off of it and charging people $20,000 per post. Tell me that's not yeah. an evolutionary gap. It is. It is. And like, I do think you're right. I do think you're right. Like, let me just put that out there. 
But I also think that at this point in time, there are so many creators on all of these other platforms that Mm -hmm. if they decide to predominantly be on the other one, if they're like, I don't want to be on TikTok anymore because they're giving away my usage rights, I can't do anything. I'm no longer going to promote on TikTok and I'm only going to promote on Instagram. And there's their choices. I'm only going to be on my podcast. I'm only going to be on YouTube. I'm only going to be on threads. Who knows? Yeah. Absolutely. That is an option. But at the end of the day, everybody knows you're not going to be a successful full-time creator if you're only on one app. And we are, that's not a sustainable. Oh no, there's no way that you could build a big enough audience on one singular app at this point in our evolution, where we are as an, if, even if you're starting from a couple hundred thousand, it's just not enough monetary value. You would have to have to make literally- a livable income. No, you'd that's have to have bullshit. The strongest, you'd have to have the strongest, com- like, you'd have to have the strongest community of all time. That's to not make true. A strong, we work with creators. Lineage. We work with creators at All Influence that have a hundred, hundred k plus. Who only are making- on one. They only publish on one platform. That's it. Yeah. And if that platform evolves and they decide to change their usage, well, then, then sure, they have no other have options. Issues. So no, so creators tend to like take seasons of I'm going to be on TikTok predominantly, I'm going to be on Instagram predominantly, or like, you know, you have your main platform, you have your primary platform, maybe you have an assistant who's, uh, you know, I don't have new content going onto YouTube, but it's being pushed onto YouTube and being repurposed. So yes, there is the opportunity to go somewhere else, but their bread and butter like we have to, we have to sure, remember that's everybody, that they though, have that bread sure. Yeah, for sure. Everybody has a primary platform for the most part, or maybe they have two primary platforms. But at the end of the day, you can't literally have one. I don't think that you can be successful by just saying I'm on Instagram, period. Because as we've seen evolution, just like the last three years, the different things that you have to monetize change so rapidly that you have to be able to diversify. And you can only have so much reach without starting to pay behind your organic posts. So how are you going to get more audience? You go to another platform to get more audience and you start building a secondary audience. I think this is why having your own offer is so important and having a more well-rounded business where, yes, you actually can have one platform. You can just be repurposing and not putting in so much dang effort into something else. Um, because yeah, I, I think it's totally possible. Hello, I am that where I, I, I'm not on TikTok. I don't have the app downloaded and have 30K and we're, you know, we have an income. We have a full-blown business. I don't think that follower count matters all that much. And I think you yeah, can totally... I mean- be fully monetized okay. with brand partnerships alone from there. Yeah. I think if you have something else that is fueling your income, you can just be on one platform and, you know, dedicate yourself to that platform. I'm just saying, I think that every, the realistic point of view is that every platform is going to do and change their usage, their tactics, their features to benefit the brands that are advertising on them. Mm-hmm. Never to benefit the creator. I don't care what anybody says. It's not going to happen. So being, you know, stronghold to one is going to be hard. 
we've been shown that with with the kickstart of threads because what is the one thing that Adam Aseri, head of Instagram, keeps saying? We prioritize our consumer, our consumer, our consumer, our consumer. Not your creator. That's not who is first priority. We had like a very short time where they kept saying creators, 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 and it lasted, what, six months? That's it. Yeah. That's not their first priority. Never yeah. will be. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough world. I'm, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just saying it's reality. Well, okay. Agree to disagree. Here we go. <laughs> Let's move forward with, I mean, it just goes to show that like, it's all a nuanced conversation, right? Like there's yeah. so much gray area with all of this that like, yeah, it'll be consistently changing forever, right? Right now, forever. this is what happens when you get onto TikTok shops. This is potentially a rumbling that Harley heard about Instagram, but it's not saying that these... <laughs> right, we're literally fighting about something that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's not to say that these things won't change. Like sometimes Instagram has come out with so many different features that they took back afterwards and they're like, oh, this wasn't a good oh, idea. Oh, this right. was a good In idea. Like so yeah. I mean, there's, I saw, there's, oh my God, I saw a graph recently that was like mm-hmm. all of the features that Instagram's come out with and they're like certain <laughs> end time and oh like they're goodness. experimenting just like the rest of us. Yeah. Subscriptions and they're going to take subscriptions away. And then the, some people have other, like it's, it's endless. It's endless. They're going to keep testing. They're going to keep yanking your chain. So it's like you have to know why you're showing up and what you're showing up for and where you're making all of your money. Yeah. Speaking of making money, um, Mm -hmm. what I want to talk about is actually commission and how we can go about collecting data about our sales that brands actually want to see. So The other day I was talking to a friend of mine who has Mm -hmm. a solid following. I think it's like 300K, something like that. And she has a sponsor that Mm -hmm. I think people would assume is paying her a flat fee. And it's just an affiliate. So she's just making a commission off of Uh the products that she sells. Now she does a YouTube video every time they launch something. She does reels, she does stories, she does the whole nine yards every time they launch something because that's how you make sales is you talk about it more. But she's made $5,000 in the last year because from all of this work, all of this work, $5,000, because they're only giving her a 5% commission. So we went ahead and pulled more of the data and realized that she's made them 100K. We did that simple math of how much have you actually been selling in their product to Mm -hmm. make that $5,000. And those are some big numbers. And I immediately, of course, with my feisty self was like, you need to take that to them. You need to go tell them that you have made a hundred K with that data. Give them the spreadsheet, give them the analytics of all of this, the click rate, all of it, and show off that you should be paid in a different way or paid more, change the commission rate or something because Mm -hmm. 5,000 is just not enough for the work that you're putting in. 
I think it's interesting. I mean, I agree she should get paid more, but it's also interesting because from a marketer's perspective, that is the exact amount that we're supposed to spend to get that amount of sales. So Mm. when, you know, because again, like I always tell you, and I always tell every creator that I talk to, the amount that gets sold does not all go to marketing. So if they, she sold a hundred thousand dollars, some of that is production. Some of that is design. Some of that is website upkeep. Some of that is all these other things, right? That's not to say that she shouldn't get paid more. She should, but for people's reference, the average percentage of spend per sales for marketers is two to 5%. Mm. So that's the budget that we're allocated. So just because a company, and I say this all the time, and it really makes me mad when places like F you pay me say, oh, well, this brand is worth multi-billion dollars. Do you think all multi-billion yeah. dollars go to the marketing budget and to the yeah. influencer portion of that? What about, even if it all went to marketing, there's still events, content, like so many other things that are part of marketing besides influencer. So if you had sold $100,000, two to 5% of that is supposed to go to marketing. And if she is making 5% on the $100,000, then technically, I'm not saying that it's right because she is putting in so much work to make that 5%. Technically, I think she's in the that's window. That's struggle for me. Yeah. So Agreed, that's that is struggle a struggle for me is that mm-hmm. this company is requiring that their ambassadors for every launch are putting out X amount of content. Yeah. That's the part I don't care for is like if she came up with this formula herself and she liked it, she's like, this is the drop. My viewers like watching it. I enjoy making this content. I'm going to make content like this anyway. And this is the life cycle. And this is the amount of money I end up making. Yes. I would still pitch them something that included like using the content, a usage fee that was an upcharge or using an ad, like something else that's going to make her more money because she's already doing it. But the fact that they require that, many exposures in exchange for the 5%, I feel like is kind of gross. Like I think it should be up to her, like many affiliates, it's up to you. Like you should do at least one per month or, you know, of course people always have thresholds that they like you to stick to. If it was more casual, it'd be one thing, but it, because it is so much content and it's not just a story. It's multiple. It's multiple posts. It's yeah, a, a freaking YouTube, a full-blown YouTube video that needs to be edited and pulled together and all of that. Like that's mm-hmm. where for me it becomes you're paying for content creation. Like you're not just paying yeah. for sales. So it doesn't make sense. I agree, but that's what happens with every affiliate partnership. Like you just said, you have to post a lot about it to make sales. And even if a brand says, okay, like you post as much as you want, this is your commission rate, like best of luck. Everyone who's a good affiliate knows you got to post about it a lot. You got to do a lot of things. You got to make a little guide. You have to do, you know, put it into your organic day-to-day life. You need to do this or else people are not going to buy it and you're going to make zero dollars. So I agree that the amount of work that she's putting in shouldn't be a you have to agreement for that amount of money, especially after a certain period of time, I agree with what you're saying. Like after a certain period of time, if you're seeing you're, you're providing consistent results from the brand, whatever else, then yeah, you should come to the table and say, hey, I've been doing this. 
you can see that I'm one of your top earners or whatever. I've made this amount of money. I think that we should come up with a more formal agreement. And if not, I'm going to replace this affiliate with a different affiliate. And that's fine. That's fine. You have to be willing to walk away in every negotiation. You do need to be able to walk away. But I think it needs to be opening the conversation to what's actually realistic. Like I would, I would go as far as to say like, if they would be willing to bump it up to 10% commission or include her in something or, you know, like it just seems like it's a lot of, again, that energetic exchange isn't there where there's a lot of effort being put in and Mm -hmm. yes, you're getting five grand, but that's for the full freaking year. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I agree. It doesn't seem like a fair exchange, But coming at it from a brand perspective, if she's been doing it for a year and never spoke up, why would I be the one to come to her and be like, hey, by the way, we want to give you 10%. Like that would be a great brand partner. And I applaud anybody who does that. And I do. I've worked with my teams on affiliate before. And I've said when people get to X, there should be a tipping point where they're getting a bonus or else why would they keep going? That does make sense when it comes to incentivizing your people like it's it's common sense but most brands I don't are not going to do brand it to go to her no i think that's most the brands are not going to do it that's the influencer's job it is but i agree it's not it's not aligned but at the same time it's part of that like that is the hardest part of affiliate marketing is that it is a hustle it is a hustle there's not an easy way to make affiliate commission that's a lot of money until you've put in the work and you have the pipeline going and people are converting constantly. They know mm-hmm. what to think. They know what to buy. They know what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. So that's I a think, tough one. But wait, I want to go I back to your actual question. Here, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Let me let me just say this. I Because we've talked about this in the past. I think the problem is that she's a content creator, not an influencer. And so – the affiliate needs to like the rate that she's paid needs to relate to the fact that she is creating this like really high quality content that's bringing in brand awareness and they should be using the they should be utilizing the content quite honestly like i just yeah. think it's a I mean dumb again that's a brand strat yeah it's a brand it's, it's a brand, brand strategy brand. issue for sure and i can't but... control what the brand does like she mm-hmm. can't control what the brand does But it is, it is her job to open up the conversation and say, okay, what can we do here to make this make more sense? Yeah. Agreed. I mean, this is a tangent, but like once you convert somebody, don't you think that she is an influencer? What is the difference here between an influencer and a content creator? Like she's influencing people to purchase a hundred thousand dollars of clothes or whatever it is a year. So she is an influencer. Totally. But I think she's a content creator first. Like I think I that's think it's the same thing, but it's, it's nuanced. You're right. It's like, so not relevant okay. to where we're going. <laughs> so the place that I do want to go is if she was going to go to the brand and have this conversation, mm-hmm. what would she bring to the table slash what would like really convince you if you um, don't have a hundred K in sales? Sure. Even if you don't have 100K in sales, I think that anyone who is participating in an affiliate partnership should be reviewing their analytics. This is part of the business of being a creator. Every quarter, you should be reviewing your analytics personally. And in addition, you should be with a fine tooth comb reviewing what is happening with your affiliate partnerships. 
not just letting the checks come in and just saying, oh, great, I got $100. Oh, great, I got $50, whatever. What are the items that sold? How much what content post? did you create? Yeah. Exactly. What, what posts, posts are really converting? Yes. All of that is essential to growth as a creator because then you can leverage it either in the partnership that you're in, in the affiliate partnership that you're in, you can come to the table and leverage it like Harley's talking about. You can come to the table and said, I created, it, it's essentially a report card of mm-hmm. that season, right? Over the past three months, I have done this amount of posts that mention your brand. This amount of them were dedicated to you. This amount of them included them within other products. It's this mm-hmm. amount of stories, this amount of reels, this amount of TikToks, whatever it is, full breakdown yeah, with links. Yeah. yeah, with links. How many views did each get in total? How many likes? How many comments? And I mentioned this in my solo episode. How many of those comments are specific to the brand? Not just this mm-hmm. is so cute, but... I love this shade. I'm going to go buy it or whatever else. I look at this all the time for my beauty clients. And then, you know, link clicks. If you have screenshots of DMs, hey, can I get that code again? Hey, I bought this and I loved it. Yeah. Any of those tidbits should be all together aggregated in a one sheet. And then you send it to them and you say, hey, it's been a quarter. I just want to let you know I pulled these stats together. It looks like my audience is really loving the content that I've created around this. It looks like based off of our relationship, I've sold X amount of units, blah, 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 whatever else. I'd like to discuss a formal pay partnership for Mm -hmm. next quarter. Can you Mm -hmm. get on a phone call or come to the table already with one in mind? Based off of what I'm seeing, I'm getting the most traction off of reels. I'm getting the most traction off of get ready with me. I'd love for you to sponsor a package of three get ready with me is because I think that Mm -hmm. I can do an even better job and it'll include this usage and this, whatever else. I think that coming to the table with multiple ideas like that, multiple ideas and like a package it is just really, is so strong. Very strong, very impressive. And something I think that almost no influencers are doing, but they're not coming to the table with like, here's the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Here's why you need me and it's not an option anymore or else you need to leave Here's that affiliate and we've talked about it. Yeah, you and I have talked about this in previous episodes, like people who just stay part of the affiliate and fly under the radar and don't ever leave and start looking for a different partnership. You're spinning your wheels at the end of the day. If you do this for a few quarters and like Harley's saying, her client has done this for a year. If you were doing, if she was doing this every single quarter, most likely she would have known after six months, this is never going to happen. The brand is never Mm going to give me upfront fee. They're never going to move the commission up or she would have already received the money by now. She would have already Mm -hmm. landed the deal by now because after six months, you should know. And then you can decide. Yeah. I think after six months, you should know if it's aligned with your audience too. Like I think that's, that's a really important piece of affiliate marketing is like, if sure. you sign up for the affiliate, you do a couple of posts and then you're like, ooh, I just like, I can't fit this in my life. I can't fit this in my content. It's not going well. Yeah. Like I'm not getting all of that interest. Like, okay, you like the product. It doesn't have to be an affiliate or it can go at the bottom of your freaking link tree, but it doesn't yeah. need to be this like big and bold thing. Like not every, not every uh, monetization 
method needs to be big. Yep. At the end of the day, your audience only has an X amount to spend, right? It's not limitless unless you're like a super human audience that is everyone's luxury and making a ton of money. But for most people, every person only has X amount of dollars that they can spend every month. So if you're trying to affiliate sell too many products every month, none of them are going to sell because people are going to be overwhelmed with the amount of things that you're trying to do. But if you stay really focused and you said, okay, three people are the most I can do for affiliate because I need to mention them X amount of times to make conversion. And I also have to have room for other paid partnerships. And I also have to have room for organic content, whatever else, then three is all they are. And after six months, if one of those three is not pulling weight, they're not bringing in dollars, then you need to find something else. So what is your metric of like, this person is doing, this person is doing well? Like, is that that 5% number? Is that, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I've definitely mm-hmm. had micro influencers who have been like, I have 20 link clicks on this. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's great for your following. But yeah, it's not like a ton, yeah, right? Normally it's in relation to the rest of the people in the affiliate group. Mm. it's not by like the numbers of you as a person. So if I have 10 creators that each have around a hundred ish thousand followers, I'm looking at those 10 next to each other, not, you know, you within your own numbers. It's you versus everybody else, right? Every, every brand has that master Excel that has everybody's names in it and all of their codes and how many times they've been used every single month. And all of the reporting is there. So it's about how you are doing versus everybody else. And if you are pulling enough weight in comparison to the other people, they would be willing to probably move the percentage up or give you an upfront fee plus or something else. If there are tons of people who are performing better than you, they're not going to feel as incentivized or maybe not tons because most, hopefully most affiliate partnerships don't have hundreds and hundreds of people, but you know, they're not going to feel incentivized to increase your commission if there are significant people outperforming you. And you know what? Like, I think we put flat fee partnerships on a pedestal, but we actually just had an agency client Mm -hmm. um, say, I don't want to work with this company on a flat fee rate anymore. Like it's stressful. They're late to give me product. Like it's just, it feels icky. And I would so much rather be on my own timeline, just post when I want. If I don't want to post, it's fine and be on their affiliate program. So, I mean, no harm, no foul against affiliates if it's working for you. Absolutely. You have to know what works for you. Some people do great with affiliates. They're just really good sellers and they find the right products that fit their network. They know Mm -hmm. what to recommend. And some people really are not that good at it. And they're better at creating content that the brand can use to sell Mm -hmm. in other ways, right? So it's about knowing your strengths. Yeah. So this is my last question for you. Um, We've been talking throughout this whole thing about like, you know, we need to communicate with the brand and ask the right questions. And in part, I think it was part one, we talked about if you have too many key points or if it's too salesy, you need to go back to the brand and like that red flag needs to go off and you need to say, this is too much. So what questions with affiliate marketing would you love to have creators ask from the get-go or ask before they pitch? 
I think before, I mean, I don't know before they pitch like the upgraded, but to ask, I think what would be important to ask if somebody asks you to onboard onto affiliate and you're not sure if it's going to be right for you, some things you should probably ask are, can you share some of the other names of people who are part of the program, right? You want to see if your direct competitors are on there, if it's people that you like, do they fit the same vibe as you, like what's going on, who else is in this? Ask about, um, ask, you know what you should ask? You should, ask? you should ask about their top performers. Can you tell me about your top affiliates? Correct. Like maybe they can't share the names. It just depends on their legal agreements. But maybe you can ask your top performers, how much content are they sharing every month? What does it look like? Love that. You know, uh, what are the, they're going to send you a deck that's like key selling points, right? But you want them to explain it to you because your key selling points need yeah. to sound different than everybody else's who are part of this program. So can, uh, can we get on a call so I can get more of a tutorial? There's nothing that bugs me more than an affiliate deck. I'm like, I know. every single one is like, this is the best way to have a mutually beneficial partnership. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, come on. Yeah. I would definitely ask like how frequently do you like review and negotiate these partnerships? Just like we're saying like in six months, if I've, you know, can we come to the table and discuss a higher percentage? Is this it? Are there multiple tiers? Like what am I working towards here? You know, maybe how long have some of your partners been part of the program? You're essentially Mm. interviewing for a job. So you should ask like what the historical, what it looks like. But yeah, I would definitely ask, who else is in it? What are the opportunities to increase my commission or become part of another tier? How much content are other people putting out in order to be successful? And then you can decide if that's going to fit your allowance yeah, at that time. I, I love that. I was definitely going to say how much how much content are your most successful people putting out? That is, that is a huge one. This reminded me, um, if you're doing like a trial post or a just any kind of flat fee paid partnership, to be honest you should be asking what is the what is the ROI that you expect how much how many sales do you expect from my content to be seen as successful i think there's a ton of conversation um, that mm-hmm. you should be having with brands from the get go just to be so crystal yeah. clear on the expectations here yep and you can find all of that info in my solo episode cuz i talked about hell yeah <laughs> Well, I know we said that we were also going to talk about holiday stuff, but I just feel like we got to do another episode. I just feel like we got to do another episode too. So if you want to see another holiday episode, you better uh, subscribe and leave us a review. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you for listening to this episode of Brand Me Creator. We love you a billion. Come find us on the social media at theharleyjordan and sonia.elise. We'll see you later.